whatever day you're whatever day uh, you find yourself and whatever you're involved in that day wherever you are spiritually that day you can quickly find yourself somewhere in the psalms and uh, i hope you've been encouraged as we've been studying these together psalm 64 to the choir master a psalm of david Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers, who whet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search. For the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin With their own tongues turned against them, all who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. Now, we usually take the Psalms and we kind of look at the historical background and and kind of study the Psalm from that perspective, applying it to, to our own day. But what I want us to do in looking at Psalm 64 is really just kind of look at the, the two main themes that are brought before us in these 10 verses, and that's God and evil. Notice... Psalm 64 doesn't, it doesn't juxtapose good and evil, it, but rather God and evil. It doesn't position good doers opposite evil doers, really, as this battle is the Lord's. Throughout so many of the Psalms, we, we read and we've studied and we've talked about, we've studied 64 of these psalms so far and and we've so often seen in the psalms that God is spoken of as our refuge as our fortress as our deliverer this psalm psalm 64 doesn't declare God to be those things as much as it displays God as being those things showing us God as refuge God as fortress God as our great deliverer. The first thing I want us to see in verses 1 through 6, David has spent some time really describing evil and the wicked and these evildoers. Evil is no small foe. That's the... That's the first point of the message tonight. Evil is no small foe. The first six verses remind us that, that sin is no small matter. Wickedness and, 
evildoers and those that plot and plan and enjoy and love evil. Evil is a real formidable foe. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's nothing to trifle with. And that's a message that we really need to hear in our day. Psalm 64 is a a shocking wake-up call to reality, to the reality of evil and its existence and its purpose and its intention. And in our chipper culture, we don't like to talk about things like this. We don't like to see danger and evil. We've, we'd rather grow accustomed to sin. We're, we're very desensitized to evil. In fact, we often, as a culture, as a society, cheer it and glamorize it. Even as believers, sometimes we joke about things that are, in fact, sin. We often make light of the very things God calls abominable. We often tap the like button when really our hearts should be breaking at the glossing over of sin. Our, we have an ease with evil in our whole culture, and it's affected us in the church as well. That comfortableness with sin will be our undoing if we're not shaken, if we're not awakened from our spiritual slumber. Sin means to destroy. That's its goal. Evil means to cripple and blind and maim. That's its purpose. That's what it's here for. That's why it first entered the garden to deceive and destroy. And so we see this description of evil. First of all, in verse 2, we see the, this, the, the plotting of evil, that evil plots and, and plans. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. Those who are caught up in sin and evil are, are caught up in finding ways to be sinful and evil. Evil plans. It plans its pitfalls. It, it holds out the carrot while secretly leading to the trap. It, it schemes. It offers a taste of pleasure before it bites. It's a master of hiding its real intention behind a veneer of pleasure scheming and plotting and looking and trying and preparing to sin to express its wickedness and then you see in the same verse the strength in numbers from the throng of evildoers it's a mass of people a great number of people evil quickly gathers crowds, easily gathers masses of people because in this world, we, this sinful world is full of sinners. And sin is appealing and alluring and convincing to our human nature. So wrong has really no problem in gathering a, the wrong crowd. The wrong crowd's easy, easy to gather around wrongdoing. That's 
That's the nature of it, a throng of evildoers. And then we see in verse 3, evil's, evil's knack for this ferocious verbosity of evil. They, they're very, evil is very verbose, knows how to use the tongue, knows how to use words. Who whet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows. Evil uses words often, uses words to threaten, to silence, to slander, to cut down. The twisted tongue is one of evil's greatest weapons. Very talkative. Sin is very talkative. If you talk fast enough and loud enough and defend your position with enough reasons and quotes and emotions, if you say the same thing enough times to enough people, eventually people think it's true. Wet their tongues like swords, aim bitter words like arrows. And then you see in verse 4 that the evil has this in, intent and he, it's without fear, this fearless intention, shooting from ambush at the blameless. So sin is not happy just to be sinful himself. He, evil is not happy until it's hurting, until it's destroying, until it's tearing down, until it's taking advantage of others, shooting at him suddenly and, and without fear. That's the thing about evil and, and sin when it, when it takes over and, and we're given to it and we embrace it and we go along with it. It's fearless because it has rejected God. That's the, that's the problem with evil and sin. It has rejected God. If there's no God, then there's, there's no one to hold me accountable really. As long as I don't get caught, then I'm okay. I may live and I may speak as I please. So, so evil is relentlessly denying God so that it can go on harming and, and hurting and cheating and stealing and silencing the blameless, thinking that there won't be any reprisal. In fact, we see that very, that very thing in verse 5, don't we, when, when those evildoers are thinking, who can see them? Nobody's watching. There's no one to hold me accountable. I'm going to get by with this. And we see in verse 5, they have a, evil has a determination. See what it says in verse 5? They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking who can see them. So there's a, there's a determination about sin and evil. They hold fast their purpose. Again, if the moral compass has been removed, God has been removed, who can see them? Who's to stop them? So there's a, there's a digging in. If there's no ultimate judge or judgment, if there's no accountability, if, if I can do what I want to and what pleases me and what pleases me is getting all that I can even at, your, at the cost of, whatever it may cost you. 
And if there's no consequence for that, if there is no God, if no one's watching, then evil just digs in and holds fast. Verse 6 tells us just how far it will go. Just how deep evil will go. They, They search out injustice saying we have accomplished a diligent search so there's a there's a there's a pleasure of evil an evil person finds pleasure in evil we have accomplished something we have done something we have achieved what we set out we we held fast our evil purpose and and we have it now there is a pleasure when sin takes over and then you see what the The summary of this mind and this person is for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. It goes very, very deep into the soul and the heart of a man who is given over to himself, given over to sinful pleasures and evil intent, down to the very core of who he is, totally consumed in a constant quest, an ongoing search for how to unleash this evil, practice this sin, grab this pleasure. So the point is very clear in verses 1 through 6. Evil is no small foe, no trifling matter. But... Verse 7, but. The second thing we see in verses 7 through 10, God will conquer evil. But God. We often see those words throughout Scripture, don't we? We see the human condition. We see the rise of evil. We see the deception. We see the plotting, the scheming, the determination the depth, the conquering. And then the scripture says, but God. But God. Just because evil denies God and rejects God and ignores God and convinces itself that God is not able to stop it, that there is no God, no one's watching, no one's... No one's stronger than I am, more powerful than I am. No one can do anything with me. I will do what I want to do. God remains God still. No matter what our thoughts of him may be, God remains God. No matter what the new deception or doubt or lie may be, God remains God. And as God, his justice remains. We see that in verse 7. But God shoots his arrow at them they are wounded suddenly you see exactly what evil sets out to do to others turns in on itself what goes around comes around in the justice of god it says up here that they are they are shooting at that blameless man suddenly they they're taking him all of a sudden and and without fear But yet that's exactly what God brings about to them, doesn't he? God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They're not expecting this. Evil is very arrogant. It never thinks to be stopped, to be caught. 
to be hurt, to face justice. So evil may have its day, but that's all it will have. There always comes a time, there will always come a time when God stops evil in its tracks. That sometimes happens in the course of life, in the things that God has set in place to stop evil and restrain evil, and for sure that will happen at the judgment. And that's where this text is headed, by the way. Evil, evil has its arrows, doesn't it? In verse, verse 3, they aim bitter words like arrows. Evil, evil has its arrows, but so does God, and God is a greater archer. And his arrows are far more sure. Those who seek to silence God will themselves be silenced. Those who seek to ruin the blameless will themselves be ruined. God will see to it. But God, see that's, God is the one that faces evil. God is the one that stands in the way of evil. God is the one that reaches far enough to stop and conquer evil. No matter how far it goes, how deep it reaches, how terrible it may be. Verse 8, they are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. God has a way of turning evil on its head and letting evil eat itself up. God has a way of sovereignly moving in this world in order that evil will conquer itself at God's bidding. God will see to it. God will conquer. God will triumph over evil. He will display his ultimate authority. And there, there will be a witness to God's justice. Then all mankind fears. They, they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Those that, that search out. The Bible talked, talked earlier about their search. How they are searching to accomplish their evil. Those who search out injustice will be dealt the justice of God. With such divine demonstration, such divine demonstration, the Bible says, all mankind fears. And they tell what God has brought about. They ponder what he has done. They can't believe that this has unfolded the way it's unfolded and that evil has been stopped and conquered the way it has been conquered. The only way to explain it is it must be God. There must be a higher being. There must be a, a just God. Notice that's a global event. It says, then all mankind fears. So the psalmist is saying, yes, God, God's going to stop the evil. But, but there's coming a day when God's going to stop all evil. Everywhere. All mankind is going to view it and see it. And fear, fear this great and awesome God. There's a great worldwide display of God's justice that is coming. Every evil in every corner of the globe, in every hiding place, will cease when Christ returns to reign supreme. 
There will be no more plotting and searching and ambushing and evil purpose. There will be no more. God will conquer evil. The answer for evil will always be God. The justice of God is a final event. There's a finality to it. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. And the Bible says those those caught up in, in evil, they are brought to ruin. Exactly what they plan for the blameless is exactly what happens. Evil will eventually run out of its might, run out of its cunning, run out of its planning and scheming and plotting. No more words, no more snares, no more evil intent. Evil, evil will be ruined and God will reign. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Truth. The justice of God will be a rememberable, rememberable event. We will, we will never forget when God finally brings complete justice to his world. We'll never get over it. In fact, the Bible says they, they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. We will marvel at the justice of God for age upon age. It will not soon be forgotten It will never be forgotten that evil did not win, that sin was vanquished, that wrong was made right, that justice was served. There will be a history in heaven that we will have a history to tell of God's wonders and grace and power and justice and salvation. If evil thinks itself evil thinks itself above God, the justice of God will be a shocking, unforeseen, unpredictable event for evil because evil's not expecting it. Evil always thinks it's on top and above all and with no God and no accountability, it will never imagine that God will bring about its own undoing even from within, they will with their own tongues turn against them. Evil has such an insatiable appetite for evil that it will eventually turn on itself. It always does that and eat its own. And that's always the ultimate deception of sin. That's always where it's going. It promises pleasure, it promises power, it promises popularity. But it means to take you and destroy your life. Evil never means for you to win. It means for you to be its prey, to do its bidding, and then reap its consequences. But even though evil is no small foe, and it is cunning, and it runs deep and in the heart of man, God is no small God. God is sovereign, and when evil stands against God, when God stands against evil, evil loses every time. Evil can be as evil as it can be and still not be greater than God. 
For as deep as it can go into the heart of man, man still belongs to God. This world still belongs to God. He's still sovereign and all-powerful and all-knowing. So since that is the case, that God is greater, God versus evil, God will win every time. So since that is the case... The people of God, therefore, we as the people of God, we have no need to fret or worry or fear. No matter how dark or evil the days may grow around us. When evil rises and and, and darkness advances, how do we respond? Well, the Bible says here in verse 10, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord. As evil as evil can be, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord. Why? Verse 7, but God. Let the righteous one rejoice and let the righteous one take refuge in him. Rejoice in God. God will win this fight. Run to him as our refuge. God will win this fight. Take heart. The Bible says, let all the upright in heart exult. Take heart. God will win this fight. We always have reason to joy. No matter how dark and evil the days may grow. Because there's always God. And if we are in Christ, we're always in him. Let's pray. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.